Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zerk. Last weekend, 21 refugee claimants came across the border to Emerson, Manitoba, putting a strain on Welcome Place, which has no space to house them. On today's show, we'll hear from Welcome Place's Executive Director, Rita Chahal, about the situation, as well as from Jennifer Partridge, Strategic Projects Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation, to learn about the Foundation's response to this emergency situation. We'll also be joined via telephone by Ardith Buxall, Artistic Director of Theatre Projects Manitoba, and she's going to tell us about their new show, Huff, which premiered earlier this week. Then we'll hear from Tolu Ililaboye, Youth Engagement Coordinator at the Winnipeg Foundation, to learn more about the Emerging Leaders Fellowship and some of the interesting projects that young people have developed with nonprofits and charities in our city. And since Noah Ehrenberg is away this week, RC360's very own Robert Zirk has been filling in as the editor of Community News Commons this week, so Robert will be bringing us the weekly update from cncwpg.org. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. Robert, how are you feeling on this fine February morning? Not too bad, Nolan. Um, There's very little snow on the ground. The weather seems to to be getting a little nicer. Uh, perfect timing for Festival du Voyageur. Well, yeah, it is, but I always get sad whenever those beautiful snow sculptures start melting because then they kind of look like, you know, sad little demons instead of beautiful, wonderful sculptures. So I don't know. I hope it doesn't get stay too warm all week. That's I don't, true. I don't I'm want those those majestic things to, to melt, per yeah, se. Yeah, whatever, whatever the case may be, hopefully it's, it's sort of a happy medium, because yeah, I exactly. do enjoy the mild temperature, but at the same time, Festival du Voyageur was made to be celebrated in the winter. Exactly. So, yeah. As long as it's not minus 40, you can dress warm, go eat a beaver tail, take a slide on the slide, and enjoy the, enjoy the wonderful Winnipeg winter, because it's almost gone, I think. Yeah. Actually, I usually say that every March. Every March, I'm like, okay, all right, it's spring, and then we just get crushed with another cold spell. So I'm not going to trick myself into thinking that it's spring. You also usually say that every yet. January, and yeah, uh, exactly. I can't. I I don't know. I'm either too optimistic or too pessimistic. I'm never the right amount of mystic, you know. Anyways, before we get to the show, let's kick things off as we always do. What's what songs starting things off for today, Robert? Well. Given the weather outside, it might as well be spring. So here's Margaret Whiting to sing that one for us right here on River City 360. I'm as restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string I'd say that I had spring fever But I know it isn't spring I'm starry-eyed and vaguely discontented Like a nightingale without a song to sing Oh, why should I have spring fever when it isn't even spring? I keep wishing I were somewhere else, 
walking down a strange new street Hearing words that I have never heard From a man I've yet to meet I'm as busy as a spider spinning daydreams I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud or a robin on the wing, but I feel so gay in a melancholy way that it might as well be spring. It a crocus or a rosebud or a robin on the wing but I feel so gay in a melancholy way that it might as well be spring it might as Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. On Monday afternoon, Rita Chahal, the executive director of the Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council, also known as Welcome Place, held a media conference to provide an update on the situation from the past weekend, when 21 refugee claimants crossed the border into Emerson. It's a story that's made headlines on major media outlets throughout North America and around the world. Since April of 2016, Welcome Place has seen nearly 300 claimants. To put that into perspective, typically Welcome Place sees 60 to 70 in an entire year, so that's a huge increase. Especially with so many seeking refuge in Canada last weekend alone, which is a third of what Welcome Place would typically see in an entire year, Welcome Place ran out of space to house them. We've heard stories of refugee claimants who have lost all of their fingers due to frostbite, and Rita wanted to send a message to those who are seeking asylum in Canada to be aware of the very real dangers in making the trek across frozen fields. We understand that people want to go and get freedom, and, and, and this is an opportunity for them to have a fair chance at it, but there are such grave, grave dangers at the moment doing this uh, on frozen fields. I held a, a six-month-old baby on Saturday, and you know, looked into the eyes of a two-year-old and a four-year-old and, and who had trekked with their parents for six hours. And I just thought, if something had happened to those children, what would we be doing today? I'm glad to say that the children are safe and so are the parents. Most of the 21 refugees that arrived last weekend were from Djibouti and Somalia, and Welcome Place staff were working around the clock to drive to and from Emerson to pick them up. Today my staff have begun the process of locating other temporary accommodations for them. I think we have an agreement from uh, the Salvation Army that they are taking a majority of them. 
and we've been able to get other families in, into the community. So that's really, I, I, I can't tell you how incredible this community is. We all have come together. We have more government-assisted refugees coming later this week, so we have to move people out. Given the dramatic increase in the number of asylum seekers, Rita made an appeal for financial assistance from the public and private sector to help welcome place with its most immediate needs. We've identified that our most crucial need at the moment is temporary housing because we don't have anything. Those three units are full, there's nowhere else to send people. And once we pick them up from Canadian Border Services, if they were on their own, yeah, they could go somewhere wherever they could find shelter. But if we're picking them up, we're not just going to let them out, and we have to make sure that we take care of them. The other need, of course, is for direct service delivery. When you have this many people, if some of you may have uh, seen upstairs, there's a whole boardroom full of people that are being processed. We're doing it in groups now, rather than the, uh, the normal practice of one at a time. We have to add on additional staff. Rita interacted with several of the refugee claimants from last weekend and noticed that they were all very grateful for the compassion that Canadians have showed them. Even though, you know, they were extremely tired and wanted to go and get some rest, they kept saying, we are so thankful. Thank you. And, and we didn't know you were going to be so nice. And thank you for the food. And, and thank you for, for, for helping us. So I think that some of their previous experiences may not have been as welcoming. So I think that really was something that uh, stood out and just the continuous thanks and gratitude that, that, we, uh, that people were expressing made it all worth it for us. And if you'd like to learn more information about the work that Welcome Place does in the community, you can visit their website at miic.ca. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, Jennifer Partridge will be joining us in studio to tell us about the Winnipeg Foundation's response to this refugee crisis and how the foundation was able to respond to the need thanks to an anonymous donor. But first, here's Frankie Valley with This Is Real on River City 360. When you This is real. This is 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we're now joined in studio by Jennifer Partridge. She's the Strategic Projects Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Nolan. No problem. So we wanted to have you on the show to talk about a very interesting initiative that the foundation just announced about six days ago of a grant for $33,000 to Welcome Place to help with the influx of refugees, asylum seekers um, coming up from the state. So I wanted to maybe have you on the show to talk about how this was able to um, happen so quickly and and just talk a little bit about the process that that was involved in being able to pivot so quickly and and help with this pressing issue right away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, by way of context, we've been working with Welcome Place for the last three years on this on this particular issue. Um, This is an area that hasn't been funded through any government means and the organization is only one of three across Canada that help asylum seekers uh, with settlement issues, getting access to legal documentation, translation services, and the like. Historically, they see roughly 50 to 60 uh, applicants in a year. But what happened over the last two weeks has been unprecedented and really an extraordinary point in our, our time in history. Um, as you may be aware, in one weekend, uh, they had like 22, 23, the exact numbers, I'm not sure. And then the next weekend, another 20 uh, some odd, which included an infant baby, six months old, and two kids under four. And this is in February, so freezing Manitoba. So the executive director of Welcome Place, um, uh, shared with us that, you know, she, she saw this baby and really realized that they were at a critical point in their time. So we, again, because we had given them 200000 to fund the program over three years, we knew really how they were running the program, what was required, and all the nuances, and felt very comfortable with being able to give them some emergency support quickly. Mm-hmm. We've had Rita on the program before. She's a wonderful spokesperson and wonderful person in Winnipeg in general. Um, but maybe talk a little bit about how the foundation was able to pivot so quickly. Like where where yeah. did this come from? Do you guys have a emergency stores or what, yes, what, what goes yes, on? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So uh, we do in fact have an, as we call it the CEO's emergency fund. And uh, it's up to $10,000. And the the idea with that is that emergencies do happen Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to respond quickly. And so this seemed to be the perfect fit to access those sorts of dollars. So we could uh, mobilize that and and give that to Welcome Place to help with the the housing issues that the the recent group needed. The other piece was a $23,000 donation from an anonymous donor. Oh, wow. So uh, these donors uh, had phoned um, quite, quite quickly after the, the first round uh, of, of people had crossed the border and said, how can we help? This wow. is outrageous. And, and they felt really inspired and compelled to do something. And so they, they contributed 23000 And so with our 10, we were really able to, to help uh, Welcome Place with some immediate basic needs. How do you feel when you see Winnipeggers sort of coming together to solve these problems from people uh, from African countries and all over the world that that are coming here for help? It's incredible. Um, The spirit of generosity is so awe-inspiring and humbling and um, 
It's so moving, really. Uh, you know, after the press conference, people were, were phoning, you know, wanting to help. And, awesome. And every little donation helps. You know, things as simple as being able to help them with a set of strollers, you know, they right. to, to help them, you know, trans, uh, transport the kids. And, you know, every, every little bit helps. And, and Winnipeggers are really stepping up. So with the situation down south and with the situation all across the world, this probably isn't a solved problem. What's going to be uh, the plan moving forward and can people help out or where do they go if they want to help out? Absolutely. So they can go directly to uh, the Welcome Places website. It's actually the Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council. So M-I-I-C dot C-A. Or you can contribute directly to the Winnipeg Foundation. We have a fund set up called Welcome to Winnipeg. And we will direct those funds directly, again, to Welcome Place on on the donor's behalf. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer Partridge. She's the Strategic Projects Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. Really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Thanks, Nolan. And thank you to Jennifer Partridge, Strategic Projects Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. As Jennifer mentioned, you can visit miic.ca to contribute to Welcome Place, or if you'd like to contribute to the Winnipeg Foundation's Welcome to Winnipeg Fund, you can visit wpgfdn.org. Coming up after the break, Ardith Boxall, the Artistic Director of Theatre Projects Manitoba, is going to be joining us via telephone to talk about Huff, which is a new play written and performed by Cliff Cardinal that is now playing from February 16th to 26th at the Rachel Brown Theatre. We're going to learn all about that, but first, here's Nat King Cole with On the Street Where You Live, right here on River City 360. I have often walked down the street before But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before All at once am I Several stories high Knowing I'm on the street where you live Are there lilac trees in the heart of town can you hear a log in any other part of town? Does enchantment pour out of every door? No, it's just on the street where you live. And oh, the towering feeling just to know Somehow you are near The overpowering feeling That any second you may suddenly appear The people stop and stare They don't bother me For there's nowhere else on earth That I would rather be let the time go by, I won't care if I can be here on the street where you live. 
Are people stopping stare? They don't bother me. For there's nowhere else on earth that I would rather be. Let the time go by. I won't care if I can be here on the street where you live. Let me be on the street where you. Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning and we're now joined in studio or we're now joined via telephone actually by Ardith Boxall, Artistic Director of Theatre Projects Manitoba. Ardith, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to have you on the show to talk about a new show called Huff. Uh, it's running February 16th to 26th. Um, but maybe before we get into Huff, tell me a little bit about Theatre Projects Manitoba and uh, a little bit of your history. Sure, I'd love to. Um, Theatre Projects Manitoba is a small professional company based here in Winnipeg that is um, mandated or dedicated to um, developing local artists and also exploring and giving voice to um, the, the larger community. So telling stories that are relevant and engaging and important to the citizens of Manitoba, basically, in a nutshell. Perfect. Um, I've been with the company for just over 12 years, um, and it's also a company that gives a lot of young artists their first professional experience. Very cool. So g- give me an example of the types of stories that are important to our community. I know Huff is, is one that deals with Indigenous themes and, and sort of the, the plight of, of racial discrimination and systemic discrimination, but just tell me a little bit about the types of shows that uh, Theatre Projects Manitoba tends to uh, tell. Sure. Well, we, we, we like to kind of um, have a really, really local uh, focus at times with plays like Huff and dealing with Indigenous um, experiences. Um, but we've also told stories about the city from, um, uh, you know, earlier times, um, you know, real doctor in Elmwood who held seances with Arthur Conan Doyle. That's a true oh, story. Wow. <laughs> um, but we also cast the net a little bit wider and look at other contemporary issues Um, We might do a a play that comes actually out of Toronto, but it's about the global banking crisis. Or we might do a play um, that is about um, our our film and television viewing habits um, and and gender issues in that. So very, very zeitgeist are our plays. what What is current and relevant not just in the city of Winnipeg or the province of Manitoba, but around the country and also in a contemporary sense around the whole world. Right, universal stories that anyone can kind yeah. of deal yeah. with. Very cool. So Huff was written and performed by Cliff Cardinal. He's Is he a local performer? Tell me a little bit about Cliff and, t- and then tell me a little bit about Huff. Sure. Uh, Cliff Cardinal um, is currently um, living and working in, out of Ontario. Um, he was born in the, uh, just in the United States, but then his mother is... Um, his mother is a famous actress, oh, cool. one of Canada's great film actresses. Her name's Tantu Cardinal. And um, so he traveled the country with her, and, and um, 
he first came and did a show, his first professional show, with Theater Projects in 2005. Oh, wow. When he was 19 years old, just starting out. Um, and that was a play by the late Doug Nepanek called Kukush. And he came and did a, uh, the show for us in Winnipeg. Years passed. He studied. He went to the National Theatre School of Canada and got a, did a three-year playwriting degree. And um, his focus really has become the writing. He's hmm. uh, an incredible uh, voice, I think, of his generation. But also, um, he has uh, a lot uh, to draw from just in terms of his background and also the, the greater Indigenous community of artists, mm-hmm. I would say, probably on the continent. Um, Huff just got to Winnipeg from the Sydney Festival in Australia. Cool. He's toured this show three times. He's toured around the country and overseas with it. Um, and it's a, a very special production, and, and it comes from Native Earth Performing Arts in Toronto, which is Canada's oldest Indigenous theatre company. 34 years they've been around. Oh. And um, we've had a long-term relationship with them, um, this being the fourth time one of their shows has come in to Winnipeg. One of our colleagues here at River City 360, Stacy Cardigan-Smith, went to the performance uh, earlier this week, and she said it left her in tears. She was weeping, and it's a very emotional experience. So um, why is why did you choose to make the decision to, to tell this story specifically? Well, there's, there's two things. The first is um, this, this story is being told because Cliff Cardinal and, and Native Earth Performing Arts um, wanted to tell it. Right. Um, it's a play about, as Cliff would say, this, the subculture that we as a society are most afraid of, hmm. and that is uh, children who abuse substances. Right. Huff is a reference to huffing gas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so, so for me, I follow the lead of my Indigenous colleagues. They choose to tell a story that is difficult then and and i understand why they need to do that so they're telling it i'm giving it space right right um i I hope i'm articulating absolutely very specific thing right Right. it's not it's not my place or the place of theater projects manitoba to 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 go let's tell it let's let's choose an or let's tell an indigenous story um, let's go find one about, about, you know, this issue or, or that issue, or right. let's tell it through a lens of hope, or let's, let's tell it through a really dark lens. Those aren't our choices. The choices is the artists from the Indigenous community. So, yeah, I think that's an important important distinction too. So it's it's not as if this was a, you know, this isn't something that was being chosen to tell. This is the story that that Cliff's community, or Cliff specifically, wants to tell. Um, That's right. Representing and his community. He, he's, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's very cognizant of, of the fact that this, he, he's afraid of it, right? Mm. He, if he feels fear as an artist, he knows that he's going in the right direction. Right. And that, hmm. that while these kinds of themes um, should, with, with anybody substance abuse and right. suicide and sexual abuse that those things are so so tough to witness yeah. but they must be acknowledged so and that 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 we have to go through that 
as hard as it is to, to even begin to come out the other side. That that and it's just to sort of paraphrase a line in Chris's right. play that you have to go. It's the darkness that will lead you through to the light. The very darkness that brings you to a to a difficult situation hmm. is the only thing that can lead you out of it. So when an audience sits down and, and experiences such such darkness, what has some of the responses been when people have sort of walked out of there uh, enlightened afterwards? Well, I uh, you know we we we've had two performances so far. One uh, with a local high school. Oh grades wow! Eleven and twelve. And, and do you edit it or, or change any performance for the for the high school kids? No, it's just straight no. up. Cool. Yeah, I, I I I suspect we might be the only theater company in in Winnipeg that that um, makes it very clear. You know, if we're doing an adult themed show, that we know that there are teenagers in our community who are right. who are bordering on becoming adults who who are dealing with these issues in their lives, who need to also. You know, they're, they're the teens who are going to become young adults who are mm-hmm. going to lead us, who are inheriting the issues and the hope both at the same time that, that they see and deal with these things in their life. Right. Yeah. And they see and deal with these things in their culture, on television, in movies. There's something very powerful about coming in a room together with people and, and, not, and, and having to... Um, to, to, to witness together right. those those stories that are difficult to hear. There's so much power in that. And I will say, too, that, that Cliff is incredibly charismatic, charming, so intelligent, and so very, very funny. There's a lot of humor in the piece because it comes from, uh, uh, I think, resilience and hope, but also... The man just has a wicked sense of humor, you know, and he's right. not—he's not afraid to wield that. And so it—it it takes the audience along with him, right. so that when the dark things happen, they are invested in a, in a very, like, very human and connected way with the characters that he's portraying on stage, because right. he portrays all the characters, like about twelve or fifteen of them. Oh wow. Um. That sounds that fascinating. We're so wrapped up, we're so invested in that, that then all together, Cliff and the audience, we can go through that. And 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 hmm. it is, it is, it is. Um, it's a it's a play. When it ends, people do sit in their seat a little bit longer. Right. You know. It and, just kind of uh, lingers in the air a little you, bit. Maybe. You have to breathe again. Right. It's like, okay, we all have to remember to breathe again now. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's also, uh, uh, I think, people recognize they, they something has molecularly changed in their in their in their body. You know. That sounds amazing. Well, for our listeners out there, that that sounds like something appealing and 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 something that they would want to experience. How can they find tickets? And when when is uh, when is Huff running until? Uh, Huff is running until February twenty sixth, and you, they can get tickets by calling our office at. 989-2400. Tickets are also available online at theaterprojectmanitoba.ca. Um, and the, the play is down in the exchange at the Rachel Brown Theater. And um, it runs 70 minutes. And um, we've got evening performances and matinees. Fantastic. 
Well, thank you very much. Ardeth Boxall is the Artistic Director at Theatre Projects Manitoba. Really appreciate your time today, and thank you very much for sharing, uh, f- telling us all about Huff. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Nolan. And as Ardith mentioned, to find tickets to the show, you can call 204-989-2400 or visit their website at theaterprojectsmanitoba.ca. Coming up after the break, Tolu Ililaboye will join us in studio to tell us all about the Emerging Leaders Fellowship and some of the amazing young people that are doing great work here in our city. But first, we've got Perry Como with Zing Zing Zoom Zoom right here on River City 360. Zing Zing Zoom Zoom, my little heart goes boom. When I hear this melody playing Zing, zing, zoom, zoom A little simple tune Who cares what the words may be saying Zing, zoom, zoom, zoom You hear it once and soon You'll find that you're humming and swaying It's more than a waltz For after it halts It lingers with you night and day with this song in mind, your troubles you'll find. Zing, zing, and zoom, zoom away. Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, my little heart goes boom when I hear this melody play. Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, a little simple tune. Who cares what the words may be saying? Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, you hear it once and soon. You find that you're humming and swaying. Get under a shower and sing for an hour. You'll feel like a million all day. For this song is great for taking off weight. Zing, zing, and zoom, zoom away. This song cannot miss, and then add a kiss. Zing, zing, and zoom, zoom, he's yours. Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, my little heart goes boom when I hear this melody playing. Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, a little simple tune. Who cares what the words may be saying? Zing, zing, zoom, zoom, you'll hear it once and soon. You'll find that you're humming and swaying. So whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you work or you play, take time out, be wise, give out, vocalize, and zing, zoom, zoom, zoom. Zing, zing, and zoom, zoom. Zing, zing, and zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. 
Good morning and welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning and we are now joined by Tolu Laboye. She is the Youth Engagement Coordinator at the Winnipeg Foundation. Tolu, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So we'd like to talk to you about the Foundation's Emerging Leaders Fellowship program. And there are a number of projects that are going on. We'll chat about those a little bit later. But first of all, what is the Emerging Leaders Fellowship? The Emerging Leaders Fellowship program is a program geared towards young people in Winnipeg between the ages of 18 and 35. It's a chance for young people in Winnipeg to develop and implement a project with a charitable organization locally. They can apply for up to $10,000 to develop and implement that project. Um, And what that entails is identifying an organization, discussing their project with the executive director, and making sure it fits in within, within the organization's mission and vision, and then working in partnership with that organization to actually implement it in the city. So it's kind of a way for youth to not only have the chance to give back, but also to gain some really valuable work experience. Yeah, it's hands-on and it's it's on the ground and it gives them an opportunity to say, you know what, I've worked in project management, I've tried uh, working with people in the community, I've tried working with organizations and upper or leadership and becoming a leader in my own right. Uh, so it's a really great opportunity for any young person who's really to, looking to take that professional development from wherever they are to the next stage of their lives. So I'd imagine there are a lot of applications that come in in any given year for the ELF program. How are applications chosen? Yeah, so application the application process starts in October where uh, young people get together with organizations and start discussing their projects. And from there, they send an application to the Winnipeg Foundation, and then those are reviewed by staff here. And then once the uh, review process kind of goes underway, then we find staff to look at the applications and shortlist them. Then they come in for an interview with the Winnipeg Foundation so we can get to know them a little bit better. And from there, we make uh, the decision to find out who's going to be a part of the program. Uh, So that whole process kind of takes place between October and December, and then they find out in January whether or not they're accepted to the program, and then we invite them for a breakfast at the foundation in early February, late January. And some of the projects have had a lifespan beyond their initial creation in the Emerging Leaders Fellowship Program. What are a couple of some of the most notable continuing projects? Yeah, so over the last four years, we've had 19 projects that have been part of the program, including the five that are currently going on right now. Um, Some of them have become part of uh, the actual programming of the organization or have gone on to become research projects that the organization still uses to look back on and uh, develop different policies or whatever it might be for their for their organization. So an example would be Amy. She worked with Food Matters Manitoba in developing a uh, food security network for newcomers in the North End. And that project you can actually find on the Food Matters website. So there, it was a research project and she continued on working with Food Matters for another year after that. Uh, similarly, all four organiza- or all four projects that happened in the third year of the Emerging Leaders Fellowship Program uh, went on to become part of the program or part of the organization's regular programming. So that was uh, Nick's Indigenous Math Readiness Project, which was with the Weechi Wakanak Center, and that helped inner city youth enhance their math skills over the summer. And then there was Elena's project to end youth homelessness with Social Planning Council. That's another project you can find on their website. There's Nicole's Exchange Marks the Spot project uh, that was with the Winnipeg Architectural Foundation. And what she did is create a grade five learning plan and coloring book and resource page that engages young people in math and architecture in the inner city. And finally, there was Christie's Human Rights Hub, which you can find at humanrightshub.ca. And that was with the University of Winnipeg's Global College. And what that is, it just compiles all the human rights events that are happening in the city. So those are all really great resources that you can still access and check out on any of the websites from any of those organizations. A lot of those projects are going to have a lasting impact. Like they're not just lasting for eight months or whatever the duration of the program is. They're continuing on. So that's really great. 
So you mentioned that there are five new projects that are part of the Emerging Leaders Fellowship Program for 2017. Could you tell us about each of those projects and what the participants are up to? Yeah, we're really excited about the projects that are going on this round just because they're really exciting and really current and all very topical, so really relevant to what's happening in the world right now. Uh, So the five projects are, uh, the first one is with Gas Station Art Centre, and that's uh, Shadden's project called Sawa Theatre. And that project is a bilingual English-Arabic spring-summer theatre program that aims to foster creativity, promote personal growth among newcomer youth uh, to Winnipeg. So the majority of the youth are Syrian youth, but they are accepting young people from all different Arabic-speaking countries to kind of encourage working together, but also encourage theatre in that community. Uh, There's also the Indigenous Newcomer Relations Program being developed by Naomi and IRCOM, or the Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization in Manitoba. And this project's going to enhance newcomer Indigenous relations within the tenants of um, IRCOM, where there might be some, I guess, Uh, a lack of knowledge with a lot of the tenants that it's going to be enhancing that opportunity to have that conversation with Indigenous people. Similarly, Ali's project is working with the Social Planning Council of Winnipeg in developing a research paper kind of outlining all the different services that are available to newcomer Indigenous relations in the city and figuring out which of those are actually effective and which of those could actually use a little bit more work. Another one of the projects is with Stephanie and her project's called Addicts and Artists and that's with the Tamarack Recovery Centre and she's going to be working on a multi-platformed body of artwork where artists get together with clients of Tamarack in developing this art to talk about what it means to live through addiction and recovery. And the last project is Janice and she's working with the Winnipeg Repair Education and Cycling Hub or The Wrench and she's implementing weekly drop-in hours and workshops for women and trans people at The Wrench. Yeah. So a very diverse, very interesting set of projects yes, that are going yeah. on. How can people learn more about the Emerging Leaders Fellowship Program? You can check out our website at wpgfdn.org. But you can also, you know, contact myself. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Take a look at all the websites of the different organizations that are participating. We do have a list of all the projects that have happened in the past and that are currently happening for ELF. And you can always take a look at that and find out, um, you know, how those projects are going. Because so many of them do continue on that it's really great to kind of follow them through to, to what happens from year to year with the projects. Tolu, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we hope you'll be back at some point with an update on all of these wonderful projects. For sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, we'll share the fourth installment in our series of refugee stories recorded at an event held by the Mennonite Heritage Center Gallery. But first, here's the Johnny Burt strings with Skater's Waltz, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. We're continuing our series of refugee stories from an event hosted by the Mennonite Heritage Centre Gallery, in which people from various backgrounds shared brief snapshots of their experiences as refugees. This week, Daisy Nastel shares her story. She fled Colombia with her family due to persecution in 2013, traveling from her town, Santiago Putumayo, to Mocoa Putumayo, then to the capital city, Bogota, before flying to Toronto, and then Winnipeg. Here is Daisy's story. My name is Daisy, and I was born in the town of Sibundoy in Colombia on November 2nd of 1092. I am 24 years old. My family came to Canada almost four years ago, in March of 2013. There were six in our family. My mother Liliana, myself, with two little girls, Sophie, who was two, and Karen, who was one year old. My brother John was 19, and my sister Luisa was nine a big family moving to a new country. When we arrived in Winnipeg, it felt really cold and there was some snow on the ground. There were four or five people from Boiseville to meet us and they brought along a man named Julio who called speak Spanish. I didn't know much about Canada. I was told that it was a safe place without conflict. That people follow rules in an organized way and that you could have a good future there. I was happy to come to Canada, but was confused at first because of food, language, customs, and all the new things I had to learn. My mother and brother got jobs right away. Luisa went to school and I stayed home to look after my girls. After a few weeks not knowing the language and missing my life and friends in Colombia, I was very sad and lonely. My brother missed Colombia too, and I wanted to go back. After only a few months in Boiseven, my brother John and I and my two girls flew back to Colombia. We stayed there almost six months and didn't know what we should do. My mother was very disappointed. 
in our decision and keep phoning us. I knew there was some trouble in Colombia for my mother. And now she began to tell us what happened. She was a victim of the guerrilla group Khaled Farc because she spoke out against what they were doing in her community. She had to go to Bogota to hide from their attempts to kill her. We had not been able to live together as a family for many years and she dreamed of taking us all to a safe place. I realized that my daughters will have a good future and a safe country to live in. So we are returning to Boise Event. My Canadian family and my grandma live at Boise Event. We love to go there, even if it's three hours away. We have many friends there in the church and community. I have been here almost four years now. I live in a very nice home, have adopted a cat, and drive my car all over Winnipeg. My job is a good life fitness, and my girls like school. Sophie is in grade one, and Karen is in daycare. My plan is to return to my studies and become a police officer. If that doesn't not happen, I would like to be a teacher of physical education. Thank you to the Poison Mennonite Breathing Church for sponsor our family and for MCC for their work in Colombia. And for the people, I'm so happy to live here and for the future. Thank you to Daisy for sharing your story with us and a special thank you to Ray Dirks and the Mennonite Heritage Center Gallery. We'll share another refugee story next week right here on River City 360. And normally, at this time of the show, we have Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, in to tell us about what's happening on cncwpg.org. But since Noah is in Florida this week, we are going to talk about CNC, just you and I, Robert, because you are the uh, standing editor of CNC this week. Uh, So... I guess my first question to you is, how has this week been filling in for the great Noah Ehrenberg? Well, it's been a very busy week for Community News Commons. It hasn't slowed down whatsoever. And uh, I'm going to talk about a few of the stories that were recently published on the website. The first one that I'd like to talk about was written by citizen reporter Deanna Ng. She's been a guest on the show before. Friend of the show. Absolutely. And she wrote a great story about the at-home Chesua knowledge exchange. It took place recently. So it brought together advocates and researchers and service providers. Um, And Deanna provides a really great snapshot of uh, this conference, which was about discussing solutions and research regarding ending homelessness. Okay. Um, So they had a program called Housing First that was examined in greater detail. They looked at the results for that. It ended homelessness for over a thousand Canadians. And it looks at some of the factors that were affecting homeless people. Some had experienced domestic violence and trauma. Others were living with someone who had substance use problems. Uh, Others were affected by mental health issues and post-traumatic stress disorders. Um, So there were a lot of factors that played a role uh, Hmm. with those who were experiencing homelessness. Uh, One of the interesting parts 
that I found in the article was the cost analysis. And it turns out for every $10 that was invested in a housing first intervention, um, that saved $21.72 in costs. So it makes a lot of sense to devote those resources to ending homelessness and especially considering that it actually lessens the financial strain. What else has been published on CNC this week? Okay, I'm going to hit you with a question. Nolan, who do you think is the best goaltender of all time? Well, my dad will probably disown me if I don't say Patrick Waugh, so I'm going to go with with Patrick Waugh. Okay. Well, Fred Morris, Citizen Reporter, also uh, has been on the show before. Oh, yeah, friend of the show. Uh, He wrote an article that argues that the greatest goaltender in hockey actually got omitted from the top 100 list that was released earlier this year by the NHL. Um, And in Fred's view, that would be a Winnipegger, uh, Charlie Gardner, who played with the Chicago Blackhawks from 1927 to 1934. And Fred makes some very compelling arguments here. Uh, Charlie put up some very impressive numbers. Uh, He had a goals against average of 2.02 in uh, some of his best years. Uh, He won two Vezina trophies as well. And a lot of people, I'm sure, uh, remember another very prominent Winnipeg goaltender, Terry Sawchuck. Mr. Sawchuck, yes. Absolutely. But when Fred compares Terry Sawchuck's best years to Charlie Gardner's best years, he notes that Charlie actually put up slightly better stats. Very interesting. Than Terry Sawchuck. Huh. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and, for, uh, for any uh, trivia buffs or any NHL buffs, go to CNCWPG and, re- and read this article because it's probably a pretty interesting read. Absolutely. So great story there from uh, Fred Morris. And I understand there's one more that you wanted to tell us about. So what was that, Robert? Absolutely. So another question for you. Have you ever been to a concert on your own? No. I haven't. I've gotten lost among my friends at certain festivals and concerts, and I have experienced bands on my own, but never consciously gone to a to a show on my own. How does that relate to CNC? So Citizen Reporter Ann Martin, a.k.a. uh, Ticket Momster, she writes a lot of uh, concert reviews Mm -hmm. on Community News Commons, and she actually wrote a very informative post that offers tips on going out to see a concert by yourself. Hmm. So uh, she makes a few very key points. It's a very interesting article, but some of the key points, she suggests going early to find a spot to park. Um, She also recommends paying for parking, especially if you can get a spot that's close to the venue in a a safe, well-lit area, and keeping your drinks to a minimum or not at all, both for safety reasons and because if you're going alone, you're probably going to be driving yourself home as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she also provides some some parking tips on several of the major concert venues, MTS Center, the Centennial Concert Hall, the Burton Cummings Theater, um, and kind of dispels that myth that, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you go to a concert alone, people will think differently of you. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, everyone's just there to enjoy the music. There's It's not a huge deal. Um, and really speaking from my own experience going to a music 
to an entire music festival on my own, I actually had a really great time. And you start to, you kind of meet people while you're there. And cool. it's, uh, yeah, so it, it winds up being a good experience. So if that's something um, that might be of interest to you, if you might want to check out a show, um, but you might not have anyone to go with, uh, Anne suggests, you know, go anyway and uh, and have a good time. Um, but she's got those tips that, might, you might find helpful if you're if you're kind of hesitating about the idea. So you can read all about that uh, story over on communitynewscommons.org. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Robert, for uh, filling in for the great Noah Ehrenberg. And uh, I think we'll see Noah next week when he's back from Florida. We'll ask him how his trip was, and we'll get uh, an update of all the wonderful and informative stories that citizen journalists are writing every single day on cncwpg.org. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we love to hear your feedback about the program. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song that you'd like to hear, or suggest a topic for a future show. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday and a wonderful long weekend.